if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you for joining us on AM 1420. The answer. It's a Thursday and it's the 21st morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2021. It could, you could uh, mark this as a previous caller did. The first day of the Nazi states of America. You could call it the socialist states of America. The first day of the communist states of America. One thing I think we can agree upon is we will not be the United States of America as long as this regime is indeed in power. Despite Joe Biden's call for unity in his uh, inaugural address yesterday, he immediately undid all of that unity by passing a series of executive orders guaranteed to continue the divide in this country. And joining us now to talk about that from a host of perspectives is our good friend, Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper is a past university president. He is a radio talk show host in Oklahoma. He is a best-selling author, and he is a weekly columnist for The Washington Times. He joins us each and every Thursday on this program. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm glad you haven't canceled me and deplatformed me yet. <laughs> it may be coming because I mean, you know, your 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 cancellation and deplatforming may coincide with mine. <laughs> that, that's kind of the there problem. Yeah, uh, Doctor, um, you are among other things. I just gave a kind of a little rundown of the things that you do and for which you are known. You are also a very well known and well respected um, evangelical Christian. And uh, I found this uh, Facebook post of yours to be absolutely priceless, and I want to start with that. First of all, you noted that you were challenged by someone to pray for our leaders. And a lot of people are kind of, I don't want to say they're losing their faith, but we're kind of wondering when is God going to intervene and stop this perpetuation of evil uh, in our in our land, uh, you know? And so we kind of wonder, you know, is there any praying for people who are who are perpetuating that evil? So somebody challenged you to pray for our leaders, and I'd like you to tell everybody exactly what you did. Well, I said I agree. I, I received this challenge from a Facebook follower who said that to not pray for our leadership is a sin against God because we are told in Scripture to pray. But I've always had difficulty with these milk toast marshmallow prayers that really don't seem to address the issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I would have prayed for Donald Trump to stop, um, oh, 
stop his childish tweets. I don't think that was appropriate. I, 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 I would have prayed for him to show favor to the church, which at first, when he was running for election, I didn't know that he would. I would have prayed for Donald Trump to reverse his previous uh, pro-choice uh, philosophy and statements and become pro-life. I would have prayed for those things. In other words, I would have prayed for some of the sins of Donald Trump to be confessed and to be reversed. And I think some of those prayers were answered. Well, all those prayers were answered, but I think the obvious ones in terms of Trump reversing course and showing favor to the church rather than dismissing it and becoming pro-life rather than pro-choice is evidence of answered prayer. So my prayer with regard to the Biden administration, and it's very brief, you know this. Do you want me to just go through it? Yeah, please. I'd love for you to read it. I said, I agree we should pray. And in that spirit, I offer the following prayer for the Biden administration in the days ahead. Heavenly Father, I pray for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I pray for them to confess their mockery of God and of his children. I pray for them to renounce their attack of religious freedom in Christ's church. I pray for them to repent of their elevation of sodomy as a moral good. I pray that they stop sacrificing unborn children to the Beltway Baal. I pray that they ask for forgiveness for their misogyny of pretending that men are women and boys are girls. I pray that they stop worshiping the God that's in the mirror and start worshiping the God that's in the Bible. I pray that they be broken and humbled rather than arrogant and proud. I pray that they follow Scripture, all of it, rather than flaunt it. I pray for their hearts of stone to be softened, and I pray for their darkened minds to, be, to see the light. I pray for them to understand that they must be born again rather than being so smugly satisfied that they're born that way. I pray for them and their souls as well as that of our nations. God, forgive us. God, help us. For the sake of the remnant, God, please withhold your hand. Amen. So that's my prayer. Amen, indeed. And I, I read that, and I, I, I hate to say that I kind of giggled or chuckled a little bit. I did as I read it, because, you know, one might suggest that you are actually mocking the notion of praying for them, but you're not. Everything that you said must happen in order for them to truly, you know, be the type of leaders that we need them to be in our Judeo-Christian country. And uh, they are they are mocking, and they are violating so many Judeo-Christian standards, it, it, it makes one wonder how in the world could people... Um, you know who stand for these things be elected as our leaders and and i don't want to get into the whole fight over the election i think we a lot of us uh, agree on that but here they sit and so it is incumbent upon us to ask god to try to reach out and in fact let me just ask you that again and you and i have talked about this once before uh dr piper uh just because i'm not as well versed in the bible as you or anybody really um so i don't feel qualified to talk about these kinds of things very much but i do talk about how you know, whenever I open my program and I open each hour with, you know, in the year of our Lord, I remind people that it is still God's world. It is still God's year and God can, can, you know, uh, you know, lift his divine providence upon us and help us. But it's not going to come in the form, I often say, of, you know, the parting of a sea or the burning of a bush. It's going to be in us maybe finding it in ourselves to do the things to make the changes we need to be done. As you are a much more uh, biblical scholar than I, uh, can you speak to that at all? How will God help us through what you know we are embarking upon right now after we just saw the inauguration yesterday and the imposition immediately of very damaging and damning policies? Well, for biblical Christians, whether, they, whether those listening be Protestant or Catholic, if you believe in the Bible, 
if you believe the Bible defines Christianity, if you believe in the God, the sovereign God, the triune God of Scripture, then you have to believe what I'm going to say right now. Number one, God always redeems evil for good. That's the story of Joseph. When he was sold into slavery by his brothers, at the end of the story, he said, what you intended for evil, God redeemed for good. He said that to his brothers. God always redeems evil for good. We also know the story of Esther, that she was placed in her situation for such a time as this. We also know the admonition of St. Paul, where he said, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. We worship a sovereign God. We worship a triune God, of which the second person of the Trinity is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Jesus promised us, and you can take this one to the bank, when God makes a promise, by definition, he can't and won't break it. Jesus promised us that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So my encouragement to everybody is this. You've read the end of the story. You know the end of the book. We win. We win. So it's our responsibility to accept our lot in life and recognize and recognize that we are placed in this situation to be the mouth, the hands, the feet of Christ and to do it with boldness and clarity and courage. The gates of hell cannot defeat us. Dr. Piper, last thought on this, uh, because it goes to what your prayer for Joe Biden was about. Um, you tweeted yesterday at 1041 a.m., you must have been watching the festivities closely, that Biden has entered St. Matthew's for pre-inaugural service, and reportedly uh, they'll be reading from Psalms. And You had one that you wanted to recommend for the moment. Can you tell us what that was? Well, the 78th Psalm, and I don't have it up before me right now, Bob. I probably should. but I can read it, I can read it if you'd rather, because I, I do have your okay, tweet well, up in front of me. Well, if you want to take excerpts of it and read that, that would be clearer than me ad-libbing. Well, yeah, it's, just, it's very short here. Just what you tweeted, the 78th Psalm, you'd recommend this, quote, They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. Therefore, the Lord was full of wrath. He gave his people over to the sword, end quote. So it was obviously an abbreviated version or excerpted uh, from the actual 78th Psalm, but I found that to be absolutely priceless, especially when over on another network on, I it was I don't remember which one it was, it was one of the CNN or, or MSNBC, uh, they were literally doing the same thing, quoting there was, there was somebody there who was a pastor or somebody like that who's pro-Biden, and as they were all talking about the thrills and chills that they had watching Joe Biden, one of them quoted a psalm and said uh, uh, that Joe Biden uh, you know, is referred to in this way. And immediately I saw your, tw- your tweet about Psalm 78, 78, and I wanted to just yell to the TV, no, you got the wrong psalm here. Dr. Piper had the right one. Uh, so, well, I, and, go, go and, and here's the thing, Bob, and I'll be brief. Um, we need to remember that everybody needs, after they're done listening to your show today, go get your Bible and read the very, very short, it's only one page in the Bible, the epistle of Jude. Jude makes it very clear, number one, that Jesus is God, because he says that Jesus is the one who judged, led the Israelites out of Egypt and judged Egypt, and then judged the Israelites for their disobedience. Jesus. Jude says that. Jesus doesn't say God the Father, he says Jesus. So Jude is affirming the deity of Jesus Christ as God. So what's my point? My point is this evangelical big group hug, this kumbaya moment where we want to make the God of the New Testament this, this loving uncle that never judges anybody, that is a false god. That is not the God of the Bible. And the reason I pointed out that psalm, number uh, Psalm 78, 
is it's a harsh psalm, and it points out the fact that we will suffer the consequences for our sin. We always do. We're going to suffer the consequences, and the only way, the only way to either avoid or mitigate those consequences is confession and repentance. Back to my prayer for Biden and Harris. That's exactly, you brought it full circle. That's what I wanted to hear. Great stuff, Dr. Piper. We're going to take a time out here so we can come back and have enough time to talk about your column, uh, your most recent column in the Washington Times, The Democrats Rule. And it's very similar to what my theme has been this morning about their call for unity. Uh, they want no unity. They want compliance, forced compliance. If you repeat loudly and affirmatively what they believe, then they will say you're one of us. If you have any dissenting opinion whatsoever, there will be no unity. And it uh, ties very much into unity your column, uh, Bow Before Them or Burn. We'll be right back after this. Okay, it is coming up on 1023 now. We've got uh, some good time here with Dr. Everett Piper to talk about a couple of things, uh, the first of which is going to be his column in the most recent, his most recent column, rather, in the Washington Times, Democrats Rule, Bow Before Them or Burn. Dr. Piper, I don't want to steal any of your thunder from the column, but I just, uh, like I said, I compare it uh, favorably to what I have been saying yesterday and today, the day of the inauguration and today. This call for unity is um, is is words only. It is not in actions. They they do not want to unify. They want you to comply. They want you to repeat to not only live the way they want you to live and accept what they want you to accept, but to champion it, to be in the parade for it, to be loud and vocal and and uh, you know serious about it and if you do any of those things um without the required passion uh you're going to be canceled and uh that's just what i've been saying you know laboring to say what you said much more succinctly in a single article for the washington times can you tell us more well as you know i start out the article by quoting from the prophet isaiah and i'm going to use that quote because it's very important Mm -hmm. isaiah told us in chapter five woe unto those who draw iniquity with the cords of falsehood who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe unto those who take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. So Isaiah is warning. He's warning Israel, God's people, that you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of those people who reverse definitions, who call evil good and good evil. And that's exactly what we see in the Democratic Party. They call for unity while they use division to gain and hold power. They say that they're pro-science, but they deny the science of anatomy, physiology, biology, genetics. They deny that a man is a man, and they call a man a woman. They reverse definitions. They say that love trumps hate while they foment excuse me, hate for Trump. The reversal goes on and on and on. They call for they call for unity, and I've said this before on your show. I was the president of a university. I was never the president of a diversity. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say it that way is diversity is predicated on the very concept of dividing. It's divisive. It separates things that should be united. Our colleges. The ivory tower is a unifying concept, unity in veritas. It's not division by vengeance 
and Vice. G.K. Chesterton had a great summary of where we are today, and he said this in his book, The Everlasting Man. In the new town, the god who got things done bore much, excuse me, bore the name of Moloch. His worshippers were members of a mature and polished civilization. To them, Moloch was not a myth, or at any rate, his meal was not a myth. These highly civilized people really met together to invoke the blessings of heaven on their empire by throwing people in the fire. In other words, this new religion was a religion of human sacrifice, and that's where we are today. You will sacrifice. You will bow. You will sacrifice and sell your soul, your mind, your body, your soul, to this beltway bale, this mullock, or you will be burned. And they do it all in the name of peace and unity and inclusion, as they exclude you and Bingo. they divide the public under the banner of unity. It's a lie. That, that's exactly right. They cancel you if you refuse to, uh, to adhere to what they say. And just a couple more lines from your, from your column. They are oh so sure that nothing is sure. They know nothing, or excuse me, and they know that nothing can be known. They're absolutely confident that there are no absolutes, and they do not hesitate to tell you you're absolutely wrong, and I know I just repeated you there. But this is the world of the progressive left. Uh, and then the last uh, line here that I wanted to share from your article is their virtue signaling is void of virtue. You will be made to care, and they don't care. And I think that is exactly what we are up against. You have to identify it in order to be able to combat it uh, uh, rhetorically, and that's exactly what you do here. Last thing, Dr. Piper, uh, yesterday, uh, or actually, yeah, no, it was yesterday, I interviewed um, uh, Joy Pullman from The Federalist, who wrote an article about Joe Biden transgendering our public schools. He is going to undo uh, what President Trump has done to reassert uh, the, the you know womanhood or the, uh, the, the two sexes of female and male, womanhood and manhood, etc., and he is going to essentially allow for schools to teach and to indoctrinate children from preschool on up that they can be whatever sex they want to be, etc. And as if to underscore this, the day before that on Tuesday, he appointed a man, a psychologically demented man, who is suffering from gender dysphoria and cannot reconcile in his mind what his body is, uh, and made him the uh, assistant secretary in the Department of Health, I believe was the title. Um, yeah. this is, this is a person who dresses as a female who is most obviously a male. And, uh, this is what Joe Biden is, is pushing upon the, stu- the young people of this country. And I just wanted to give you the last two minutes to talk about that. Okay. It's first of all, to push this on to our young children in elementary school is child abuse. This is just pure and simple child abuse. And they do this under the banner of saying that they're the pro science party. Right. In fact, Joe Biden's first priority in his speech was that he was going to be a a science first president well how about the science of anatomy president biden you know rachel levine this man that you've appointed to assistant secretary of health is a biological man his anatomy is male his dna is male genetically he's a male he was born a male he is a male he will die a male when they dig his body up a hundred years from now and they do a DNA test on his bones, they will identify him as a male. That's a fact. And the facts don't care about your opinions. That's a fact. That's science. To deny those facts is to deny science. Conservatives are not the science deniers. The left proves over and over again by virtue of this rainbow lunacy that they will deny science at every turn to push a political agenda of license and licentiousness rather than 
the natural law, the common sense, the obvious reality of the world in which, I, in which we live. This is child abuse to teach children anything different than what I just said. And the, the, uh, the chutzpah to declare himself and themselves to be, as you say, the party of science, to de- deny, to me at its most basic level, chromosomal science. Chromosomal science tells you whether you're a male or female. It's an XY or it's an XX, and it is not ambiguous. It is direct and it is clear. And as I often say, if you still can't figure that out, look down, pull your waistband of your underwear away from your body and look down, and you will have the answer to your question. If you're still confused after that, you need to seek psychological help because your body is not lying to you. And I, and that's, that's as direct as I can be. And for them to declare that science suggests otherwise is, is to be the party of anti-science. Dr. Piper, absolutely. Dr. Piper, great stuff as always. Uh, appreciate it. Great column as well. Thanks so much for your wisdom. We'll talk again soon. All right, blessings, Bob. Take care. That's Dr. Everett Piper on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. So glad to have him each and every week. He really brings a great perspective to so many of these very important things, uh, and a religious perspective that, quite frankly, I can't compete with. So I'm so glad to have him for that. We'll get news now, and we'll come back. We are guest free the rest of the way. So let's keep the great phone call momentum we had in the first hour going. Dial us up two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten, and we'll get you on the air right after this. Ten thirty-eight now, and fourteen twenty. The answer that leaves us twenty-two minutes of outstanding awesome. By my count, uh, you can help us fill those twenty-two minutes with your own brand of outstanding awesome at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Real quick, before I go back to the phone calls, though, stay there. Um, the impeachment is moving forward. Um, Mitch McConnell gave a pretty strong hint that he is going to support a conviction of President Trump in the Senate impeachment trial by blaming President Trump, saying that he bears some responsibility for provoking the uh, riot at the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, Mitch McConnell, to me, is completely dead, despite his wonderful work in getting confirmations of many, many judges, close to 300 federal judges, uh, were confirmed under Mitch McConnell's guidance uh, in the Senate. But that's beyond irresponsible. It's beyond illegal. It's beyond unconstitutional for him to make, first of all, and it's also just wrong on, on its face. The suggestion that President, President Trump provoked anything is just simply wrong on its face, and we've proven that with time after time after time with uh, words uh, and actual audio cuts from the day. But aside from the pushing for the impeachment trial, we do have to talk about the constitutionality of it. And it continues to be a discussion point for many. And I, I don't understand how and why. Hugh Hewitt is right about this. You know, a lot of people like to call me up and complain about Hugh Hewitt because he's not as conservative as I am or you are or whatever. And he takes a different point of view on some things. He's right about this a thousand percent. This is unconstitutional. And one need only look at the Constitution. Now, if you don't trust me, trust a constitutional scholar like you, or in this case, like former Harvard law professor Alan Dershowitz, a liberal, but who just believes in the Constitution, regardless of whether that Constitution favors a liberal narrative or a conservative one. It's all about the Constitution. He wrote a piece yesterday on Inauguration Day for um, the Wall Street Journal. 
And this is what Alan Dershowitz says, quote, Now that Donald Trump is a private citizen, the Senate should dismiss the article of impeachment against him for lack of jurisdiction. The Constitution is clear, quote, The president shall be removed from office on impeachment and conviction, end quote, not by the expiration of his term before the impeachment process is complete. It also mandates that judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than the removal and disqualification. Not or disqualification. And since the president, and this is me, not Alan Dershowitz, just commenting, if the president has already been removed, then the need for and the constitutionality of an impeachment trial to remove him is null and void. But back to what Alan Dershowitz says. When the Constitution was written, several states allowed impeachment of former officials. The framers could easily have included that provision, but they didn't. They also explicitly chose to prohibit the British practice of trial by legislature, accepting only impeachment. And bill of attainder, any punitive legislative act against a specific person. The courts have held that the punishments prohibited by the Bill of Attainder Clause include disqualification from holding office. Moreover, the Constitution requires the Chief Justice to preside when the President of the United States is tried. No former official has ever been convicted by the Senate, and only one has ever been impeached. Secretary of War William Belknap was indisputably guilty of numerous impeachable offenses, to which he confessed as he resigned his office resigned his office hours before the house unanimously impeached him in 1876 the senate voted in favor of a procedural motion affirming its jurisdiction to try belknap's impeachment but two dozen senators who believed he was guilty voted to acquit him on jurisdictional grounds a close vote nearly a, ha- a century and a half ago does not establish a binding president A more compelling president is the House's decision not to impeach Richard Nixon after he left office in 1974 to avoid certain impeachment and conviction. There was no movement to continue the process, and nor should there have been. So Alan Dershowitz is just laying it out historically and constitutionally. There is zero precedent to try and convict a a former president or a former elected official the only goal of impeachment, according to the Constitution, should be the removal from office, if convicted. And since he is not in office, such a trial is now a violation of the Constitution. So keep that in mind as we watch this circus, and that's all it is. It's a circus. It's a sideshow. Keep that in mind as we watch this whole thing play out. All right, let's go uh, to the phones. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Kevin is calling from Medina on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Kevin, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. Uh, yes, sir. Real quick, uh, I caught you on the uh, 930 hour when you were talking to the gentleman called, and he was saying, you know, he went through this whole thing of, you know, like, how can they all, you know, be acting like this? And, you know, I think I read your mind because you, you said it, came, it it benefited a few, you know, when he's talking about the communists, the socialists, benefits to few. So, it, and it comes down like exactly like you said, it is good versus evil. And uh, so having said that, I just wanted to share something that a couple, a group of friends of mine from church are doing, and it's unofficial, and 
You know, it, it's not, you know, we're just lay, laity, but we get together in a group, you know, uh, bi-weekly, whatever, and, and, and the name of the group isn't any really important right now. I mean, we're, we're just getting our feet, you know, under us, but mm-hmm. we get together as a group in a home, <clears throat> and we pray. We pray, the, we, pray uh, we, we, uh, we discuss, and we try to maintain positivity, and we try to maintain ways to support each other. Okay, because I think that what I what I keep falling back to good it's good and evil, and and I and evil and evil loses, good wins. I know that it's just not in my time frame, and all we can do is try to help each other, and and basically uh, support one another. And I just wanted to offer that because it's it's helping me a lot, and it's, I think it's helping others. And we, we've even got our own way of communicating and, and, you know, trying to work around all the uh, shutdown and all the cancels, you know. And so I just wanted to throw that out there and let you know. And it's, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying always that, that you're going to be able, you and, and your like are going to be able to keep, you know, talking, speaking the truth because finally everybody's going to know the truth, and they're going to have to decide one way or another, and it's it's really obvious, kind of right in front of us now. So that's all I had to say. <laughs> well, Kevin, listen, um, I am so glad you called to say that, and I wish you would have been able to get through like right after I asked that question of Doctor Piper um, mm-hmm. about how we, you know, we have to trust that God, you know, quote unquote, in you know modern vernacular, God got this. We have to yeah. trust that God is on the scene and that God is going to ensure that right uh, prevails and that good defeats evil and so on. And as you said, it may not be in our time frame on earth. It may be a much longer war and a much longer right. battle between good and evil. And eventually, you know, we may not be around to see it from this vantage yeah. point. We may see it from another. But um, but I, so I asked Dr. Piper if you heard that part of my show today. I asked him, I said, so what can we do? Because, you know, yeah. it doesn't look like God is active here. But we have to right. we have to find a way to believe that he isn't going to part a sea or burn a bush and and make everything better. He's going to try to work through us, and and we're going to have to do this ourselves. And what you just said, I think, makes a lot of sense um, because you know we need support. We need the support of our fellow believers and our fellow man. And I'm not saying it has to be a Bible study. I'll be honest with you, Kevin. I'm not that kind of guy to do a, a a prayer group or a Bible study group. I I I kind of I kind of pray privately, and I and I and I try to figure things out privately. I'm not that kind of a public person when it comes to that, but maybe that's the answer for a lot of people because we sit here and we hurt, especially when in this age of a cry for unity we are told we right. are evil we right. are bad because right. of our skin color and because other right. people who looked like us did terrible things to people who didn't look like us in an age we can't even fathom ago right um you know we are bad and we're evil and we are, are are going to be made to uh you know to to pay for those sins of our forefathers yeah, right. it hurts and sometimes the only way to maybe yep. you know be reminded that you're a good person is to be around other people and to tell one right. another that. I think there's a real. I think there's a lot of real value in what you're describing. Well, you know, it's the old saying. You know, you you don't get to choose your family, but you can choose your, choose a new one. You know, and it's and it's it's it, it and it isn't really Bob about a prayer group or anything like that. I mean, not that it's just what we do, but no, it's getting together 
and saying we, you know, we are we have like mind and we're allowed to talk to each other. You know, right? And and you know, the first three hundred years of Christianity was no, you know, was no party. You know, so it, it, I I just you know I'm not trying to be um, heroic or anything like that, but just no. No. You know, it's just expect it. I mean, expect this. And, and exactly when you just said it, it boils down to good and evil, and it's like, you know what? That's it. And then, you know, how we choose to combat evil is right, gets back down to your personal style, right. you know. Right. But it, it's great. But Keep sometimes, you know, it's like an old <laughs> adage. It's, a, it's like the old adage of there's safety in numbers, there's comfort yes, in numbers, absolutely. and knowing that other people absolutely. feel the same way. And yep. we do have to that's rely right. on each other for that. That's right. Kevin, that's a great that's call. Right. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for the call. I meant what I said to him, by the way. It, it, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a, you know, guy in my early 50s, and I'm pretty well-educated. I'm pretty well uh, you know, a, a, a thoughtful person, a deeply a deep thinker, to at least my understanding of that, uh, and I get things, and yet I sit here very much hurt by being told that if I'm a Trump supporter, I'm a white supremacist, that I believe in the superiority or the supremacy of people who look like me simply because of our skin color, and that I would dare to see somebody who looks different than me with a darker skin color as less than me. It is offensive. It is hurtful. It is false. It is defamatory. It is all of those things. I'm told that I exist and I have the things that I have because I was born with a privilege that others don't have. Um, I see people arguing that there needs to be equity, equity and outcome for all Americans, meaning that those who do nothing to better their lot in life, regardless of their color or their sex or anything else, should get the same outcome as somebody who busts their tail and works hard to get the things that they have in life. And I sit here as a person working hard, and, and, and being a color that I cannot control and being told that I'm evil. And I'm in my, like I said, I'm in my early 50s and I'm a reasonable, educated man. And this bothers me. I say that to, to, to ask, how can this possibly be put into the ears and thus into the minds of kids who are not grown adults? Who are told you're evil because of the color of your skin. You're evil if you believe that babies should be given a chance to live. You're evil if you support people, you know, like like President Donald Trump, uh, because he is branded as a white supremacist and you must be one as well. How do little kids feel about that? Being told you're inherently less than because you are white. And as I've said numerous other times too. How does a little black child make it in this world if they are told you are always going to be a victim? You are never going to be able to achieve what you aspire to because the white man is going to hold you back and hold you down. The evil white people, how are they supposed to make it? And that's what this new administration and that party of evil is doing. Dividing people by making them feel like something they're not based on how they look not on who they are or what they think or how they act. We do need to rely on each other to get over that. Kevin, thank you again for that call. I'll be right back. I'm so high. 
that makes my brain whirl. All right, let's get a couple more in before the uh, top of the hour and the end of the show. We'll go to uh, Cuyahoga Falls. Don, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Don, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Uh, I'm doing okay, I guess. I'm still kind of in a state of shock. But, uh, hey, I wanted to comment on uh, Representative uh, Gonzalez's interview that you had with him. Sure. And I don't know how you got a hold of him because I heard another news venue that uh, they couldn't even get through to him, you know, after the vote. But uh, he seemed to be in shell shock at the reaction he got, and it kind of uh, bemused me, and I thought it was ironic that he was telling you, well, even though I voted that way, I'm, I'm still a conservative. I, you know, I still have my conservative values, and this is a time for us cur- uh, conservatives to stay united. You know, so after turning his back on you know, the party and all of us, here he is practically begging, uh, begging us to... Uh, stay united with him so that we can, uh, you know, handle what's coming up here. Yeah, I found that to be uh, a little bit interesting as well. And that's what I said to him at the very end, you know, when he said he still has a commitment to liberty. And I said to him, you know, the, the true testament of liberty is your devotion to the Constitution. That is what provides us with liberty. And you have denied constitutional due process to this man uh, by, by siding with the Democrats here. So I do question uh, the congressman's uh, commitment to that now. And I and I got to tell you, I feel bad for him because I think his political career is in very serious jeopardy now, all because he made a very, very poor decision to try to protect and save himself from, quote, cancellation from the left uh, by saying, I'm with you. It's like I said you know, previously, it's like hanging up the Black, Ma- uh, Black Lives Matter sign on your store window saying, don't smash mine, I'm one of you. That's kind of what he did here, and he's going to find out that it doesn't work. Um, and I'll tell you something else. There's a reason why he didn't uh, probably grant any other interviews uh, to any other news organizations is because they saw how well this one went. Uh, and, and once he saw uh, you know, that people were not happy with, um, with what he did, I think it's damage control now for Congressman Gonzalez. But I appreciate that. Thanks very much, Don, for the phone call and for your, your, your thoughts on it. Let's go one more to East Lake Paul on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Paul, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob, I'm 73 years old. Uh, I was born in a DP camp in uh, Austria after World War II. Uh, we were in that camp a couple of years waiting for a sponsor country to pick us up. Uh, we were ready to go to Argentina. My brother was real ill. They would not let us on the boat, put us back in the camp for a couple months. And then we got a sponsor here in Wisconsin, a farmer. So the family came over. That was my mom, dad, brother, and sister. So my dad worked about a year on a farm in Wisconsin. We moved over to Cleveland. I went to school in Cleveland, went to high school, out of high school. I went into the military. I was uh, 101st Airborne in Vietnam. I had another brother, 173rd Airborne. I had another brother of the Marines in Vietnam. And I had two more younger brothers who were too young. They went into the military after Vietnam. Now the reason I'm telling you all this because I want to show you that I am a patriot. And I always have been. Don, Don, let me let me let me interrupt for a second because I was waiting to see where you were going with this, and unfortunately, we're not going to get to the end of that story in time. I want you to call me back tomorrow. I believe you are a patriot, and all of your family. Call me back tomorrow when we have more time. But we're done for today. We'll see you then. Bye bye.